I've had yeah. all of those things happen as a white guy mm-hmm. and haven't been pulled over. No? Yeah, I mean, my, I've had a burnt out headlight before. Yeah. I've uh, run a red light. Mm-hmm. The cop was right there. And they didn't pull. Uh, probably, probably, uh, exactly, probably, the, exactly, probably I didn't re- realize. Now thinking about what they did to me that day that made me do this and checking on my eyes. Uh, uh, yeah, probably they were racist and I didn't realize, I didn't notice. Last time on the Tell Something podcast, Ibrahim, Mina, and I were talking about getting pulled over by the police. That really stuck with me. And I've been thinking about it a lot. This week, I talk with Jenny Buckman Phelps about that very thing. Welcome to the Tell Us Something podcast. I'm Mark Moss. Thanks for joining me as I take you behind the scenes at Tell Us Something to meet the storytellers behind the stories. If you have the means, please support the podcast. There are a few ways you can donate. You can visit tellussomething.org and click support to make a tax-deductible donation. Or you can donate via Venmo. We're at Tell Us Something. You can also donate via PayPal. There we're info at tellussomething.org. Thank you. Please rate and review us on iTunes. It's how we can spread people's stories to more listeners. If you want to get some cool Tell Us Something merch, visit tellussomething.org shop, where you can pick up a 10-year anniversary commemorative poster, a 10-ounce stainless steel double wall pint cup, or a made-in-the-USA canvas market tote bag. Check out all this cool stuff at tellussomething.org slash shop. So I talked with Jenny Buckman Phelps by phone. We chatted about life during a pandemic and storytelling and about how the meaning of a story can change over time, revealing itself with a new perspective. We talked a lot about white privilege and how we often don't even realize that we have privilege. Come, sit down with us and listen to our conversation. Hello. Good morning. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? Good. Good. We c- we're calling it the Corona Coaster here. Oh, yeah. That's not that good. I'm glad you're back to work. Yeah. Yeah, me too. How how long were you closed? Six weeks. Oh my god. Well, um, I hope that people are being safe when they're coming in and stuff. I would say most of them think that they are. Um, for some reason, I think that people assume that they don't need to wear a mask when they're coming in because maybe they're so familiar with us and somehow the virus has become become something that like bad people get um i jokingly call it the new life because it feels like it's a moral failing if you get sick um and so they're like oh you're nice and and shower so i'm sure you're not sick and i'm not sick i'm like oh that's not really how it works like let's both wear a mask and just <laughs> call it a day at the time of the interview governor bullock had not yet mandated mask requirements statewide i just re-listened to your story i remember you being super nervous so nervous how did you how did you get past that oh 
I feel like I've been faking it till you make it for my whole life. Um, and so I tend to do that in situations. I, I somehow managed to pull it together, like on game day. I can get it done and figure it out, but I, I was a mess <laughs> <laughs> on the inside for sure the whole time. But you pulled it off and you were really funny. Oh, thank you. <laughs> like, do you remember that part? Do you remember the successful pieces of your Oh, yeah. You know, when, when you start getting feedback from the audience, that's definitely a fuel to keep going. And I knew my story was funny. Like, I intentionally chose that story because it is a lighthearted story. I didn't feel like I was going up there and exposing anything and so that felt safe to me. That's my comfort zone. So I knew if I could at least get some good one-liners in there that people would laugh at least a little bit. And so that was really, really nice. Well, you held your own. I mean, you you crushed it on the stage. Thank you. Yeah. I actually wanted to talk to you a little bit just with the relevancy of our, our, current, our nation's current situation. Yeah. One of the feedbacks that you gave me after telling my story is that you thought it was a good opportunity to bring to light that this story is essentially only able to be lighthearted because I'm white. And we we talked about that, and I'm embarrassed to say it, but I think it's important to say it, that I was really, I really didn't want to do that. I really didn't want to say because I'm white, it was, I didn't think about trying to get out of a car as an officer is approaching me. I say that now and it sounds so ridiculous that I would think that that's an okay thing to do, but I totally did. And it is a hundred percent because I am, I am a white woman. I feel like I'm, I'm pretty safe in a lot of situations. I don't feel safe in others, obviously, because I am a woman, but in that situation, it felt very comfortable to just open the door. I just didn't think that he would think I was threatening at all. And I got some interesting feedback from that after I did say that in the story. And it's such a tiny little thing. All I say is, you know, because I'm a white woman in Montana, I just go to open my door. And I did have a number of people tell me that, you know, other than that part where you got a little political, um, they didn't think that that was funny because the story is funny and it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be funny. You know, you and I had, had talked about that and it kind of makes the whole story, like the whole story would be different if I was black or if I was brown. Absolutely. And so that is something I've thought about a lot recently. Tell me about that. You know, putting a license plate on my car that even draws attention in the first place. I knew I knew that license plate would get attention. Why would I do it if I didn't? You know, I was an 18-year-old girl with an awesome car. I wanted people to notice. And I just, I'm not sure that minority people would do that. Yeah. I, I, I just don't know. I can't imagine that they would in that way, you know, not in one where 
like, you know, it said tipsy. I thought it was funny because tip over easy and alcohol, you know. Yeah. I didn't think I would get pulled over all the time for it, but I did know what I was insinuating when I put it on there. Sure. And so, it's, yeah, it's, it's just something that I've thought about. And I, I have had, you know, people of color that I have relationships with that I've grown up with and there have been situations where I've seen them treated differently and throughout you know different stages of my life you either kind of think like oh that's an isolated incident or you know that person's ignorant or whatever and then other times it's just so much more subtle and I wouldn't even be aware of it until that person that was with me kind of drew my attention to it and it's like oh that's why they talk to you like that or that's you know I just didn't I didn't know I don't know about you but I I took Spanish for seven years which is crazy but I never lived anywhere where I could speak it with anyone and so I I can I cannot carry on a conversation I can barely understand people I can muddle through you know asking where the bathroom is and I kind of feel like being a white person in Montana is similar to that I I don't have a lot of interactions with other cultures and I feel like I can talk a big game about being being an ally, being, you know, not racist. And I always want to try and portray that, but you never really know what to do. So I'm trying really hard to read up a lot more about it because I don't think I should be like asking these questions as people. I don't think it's their job to to educate me. So I'm trying to take advantage of the material that's out there and I am trying to make donations right now where I can because I feel like that's the most valuable gesture that I have. But I'll tell you what my experience is right now around that. And because I'm on a similar journey and I agree with you, it's not the job of people of color to educate us. Yeah. It's our job to check our privilege and not just be not racist, but to be anti-racist. Yes. Yeah. And... And also to give them the mic whenever possible. Yes. And so grandstanding on social media about how anti-racist you are is not the same as educating white friends and helping them be anti-racist if they're racist or calling them out when they're being assholes or, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I have uh, some people of color across the country who are like, you're right, it's not our job, but we will help you when you need it. And here are the resources, do your homework first. And then if you're confused, call us. So if you want me to send you those resources, I can. Sure, we've got an awesome uh, bookstore here in Helena, Montana Book Company. And they've been posting a ton of material on their Instagram account, um, different books and websites, and I think that's been really great. My my 12-year-old and I actually read The Hate That You Give earlier this year, and it's, it's very good, and it's all from the perspective of a teenage girl. And my daughter's 12, and 
I'm so glad that we read that because she was able to look at the content coming from some media sources and have a much more discerning eye and realize that those those sources were trying to make you feel a certain way and depict these people that are protesting in a certain way that isn't accurate right? and is very skewed. And I really, I was really impressed that she actually thought about that and her and I have had a number of conversations about it and yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good book. I highly recommend it. It's a lifelong journey. Yeah, it is. When you told your story, I know that was an uncomfortable piece of it. What was the focus? If, if we were to pull that, remove that piece from your story, what would have been the purpose of you telling it? Just to entertain people? Yeah, so the, the purpose of me telling that story was to entertain people. The purpose of me getting up and telling a story was to try and give myself a goal and and accomplish it uh do something scary i think that we kind of have to flex that muscle on a regular basis to keep our life fresh and exciting and i think that's a really great way to do it is to do something that scares you and that is that's something that has just it's really fulfilling and i love it when people get up and share stories and Honestly, having people share stories is one of the ways that I feel like I learn more about myself and the lens that I view my world through is, you know, understanding other people's experiences and hearing them say it. And I love that they can get up and share a story and nobody's asking you questions. The story doesn't get diluted by other people's feedback. You're just getting this this story from someone and you can sit and process it and just hear somebody tell a really emotional story in real life is really powerful and I wasn't at a place where I wanted to do that I just wanted to get up and tell a story that was pretty funny Um, and the scary part for me was just doing it the people that get up and tell these really raw emotional stories are amazing and I really 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 value their, their courage Jenny Buckman Phelps was born and raised in East Helena, Montana. As a young woman, she headed west, like the gold prospectors before her, and settled in Helena. Jenny has been doing hair and listening to stories for 11 years. She lives with her husband, Colin, daughters Grayson and Greyer, and her dog, Lane. She told a story in front of a live audience on May 9, 2019, at the Myrna Loy in Helena, Montana. The theme that night was getting away with it. Jenny calls her story, Getting Tipsy. Have you ever been in a relationship where your friends love them, your parents love them, they treat you well, but when people ask you about it, you're just kind of like, oh yeah, they're great, they're so nice. It's 2004, I have just graduated from high school, and I've been in a relationship like that for three and a half years, with a Dodge Neon. (laughs) And that three and a half years 
of safety, reliability, affordability is gone the second that I see the Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> I've been working at this point for two years at the Golden Corral, or as my dad liked to refer to it, the Gilded Trough. <laughs> And I've been stashing sweaty, greasy ones and fives in piles of hundreds under my bed. And this is the day that those are gonna come out. And my parents had probably hoped that I would spend that money on something a little bit more responsible like my education. But as soon as I saw that car, I just had to have it. And it's days that I'm now sitting in front of the salesman and he finds out that I've just graduated from high school and I'm sure some of you can relate to this. As soon as people find out that you are moving on to a next stage of your life, they have this need to give you advice. And all I want are the keys. <laughs> but instead he tells me about a way to get out of traffic tickets. And I was like, that's, it sounds really improbable that you could get away with this, but it's interesting nonetheless. So I get the keys, I'm in the car, and I'm sure some of you have felt this. When you fall in love with a car, it's not the car, it's who you think you're gonna be in the car. <laughs> and I am awesome. My hair just casually blows in the wind. I look down on people that can't go on places. Potholes mean nothing to me. And it feels amazing. And all these people are waving to me. And it re I realize that it's other Jeep Wranglers. And I was just like, oh, me? Well, yes. And I casually wave back, and I'm part of this club, and I'm starting to notice all these other drivers and cars, the Wranglers, nothing else. And they're a group of very clever, funny people. And there's a lot of stickers that have a general theme of, you know you've always wanted a topless model, or sometimes I go topless. And then I really like the ones that were put on the vehicle upside down, and it says, if you can read this, please flip me back over. <laughs> and I'm starting to plan out my license plates, because this is the first time in my life I've ever wanted vanity plates. And so I'm like, you know, these guys are really clever and funny. I need to come up with something that like plays on the Jeep. And I come up, in all of my 18-year-old wisdom, with tipsy. T-I-P-S-E-E, -E, because it tips over easy, which seems obvious to me. Um, and I go in, and I'm getting my license plates, and the lady is like, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I'm like, yeah, I drive a Jeep Wrangler. And she's like, okay. So I leave the office with a bullseye, <laughs> and I put it proudly on my car. It is maybe a week, and I'm pulled over on the side of the road. The lights are flashing behind me, and I'm just kind of sweating. And because I'm in love with this car, I haven't noticed its faults to the full extent. And one of them is that the driver's side that I should be able to zip the window, unzip the window. It doesn't work, it's zip tied shut. And as I'm collecting my driver's license and my insurance and my registration, I'm 
kind of realizing like, oh no, like I need to be able to talk to the guy. <laughs> and so in a move that felt comfortable to me as a young white woman, I just start to get out of the car and immediately it's, ma'am, get back in the car, get back in the car, get back in the car. And so I like shut the door and I'm just like, oh my God, okay. So I'm waiting and he comes over and he starts pounding on the plastic and he's like, oh, you know, get the window down. And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't do it. And so he opens the door and he's like, do you know why I pulled you over? I'm like, no, sir, no. He's like, well, you were going 35 miles an hour. And I'm waiting for the rest of it. <laughs> He's like, in a 45. And I'm waiting for the rest of it. We have reason to believe that you are under the influence. <laughs> now, it is 10 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. I am driving to work and all these people are passing by. And did I mention that my Jeep is teal? It's noticeable. So I'm just embarrassed. Like all these people are driving by. This is my parents are going to find out. And I'm having to stand on the side of the road in the hot sun and do this. <laughs> and try and walk in a straight line as I'm like terrified. And eventually I get to go back into the car because I am not drunk. And I get a ticket for obstructing the flow of traffic. <laughs> And I am upset, but I start to think about the advice that the salesman gave me. And the salesman told me that if I get a traffic ticket, I go into the courthouse and instead of paying it, I say, I can test. And then the police officer has to show up at a later date with me and he has to testify to the events. And sometimes police officers will have better things to do in their day and they won't show up to those. And if they don't show up, you get to leave. So I try this, and it works. <laughs> and I can't believe my luck, and I leave. And it's not long after that that I am again on the side of the road. <laughs> and again, I'm being questioned about whether or not I've been drinking. It is dark this time. I had not used my blinker to go around a vehicle. And so I'm sitting there waiting and I can see the officer kind of like shaking his head a little bit. And I get a ticket for failure to use my blinker. I do the same method and it works <laughs> and I don't have a ticket. And I'm complaining to my dad at this point like, God, I have to drive so safe. <laughs> and he's just like, Yes, <laughs> I have brought this on myself and it couldn't have worked out better for my parents. <laughs> Ticket number three has me asking, are you pulling me over because of my license plates? And the officer's like, well, it doesn't help. <laughs> but I take my well-worn path to the courthouse and again, no points, no fine, I get to leave. At this point in time, the Jeep and I decide to take our traffic violation spree on the road. <laughs> and tickets four, ticket four and five are in Butte, Silver Bow County. And then six is in Beaverhead County. <laughs> and at this point, it's like kind of fun a little bit because I'm like, it doesn't matter. Pull me over. And I'm like, so you like that license plate? It's pretty funny, isn't it? And they're just like, whatever. And so, 
ticket seven is rounded out back in Lewis and Clark County. And eventually I do have to part ways with the Jeep because if an 18 year old girl in a teal Jeep Wrangler with tipsy on the license plates isn't a target enough, what would happen if I could put a car seat in the back of it? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks again to our title sponsor, The Good Food Store. Learn more at goodfoodstore.com. Thanks also to our enduring sponsors, cabinetparts.com, the number one source for cabinet hardware since 1997. Providing the best kitchen cabinet hardware at a great price and knowledgeable hardware specialists, cabinetparts.com is the direct source for all of your cabinet hardware needs. Blackfoot Communications, since 1954, Blackfoot Communications have fostered a reputation based on exceptional customer service and community involvement. They deliver superior technology solutions through trusted relationships and enrich the lives of their customers, owners, and employees. Learn more at blackfoot.com. The Top Hat Lounge, reopening responsibly, reconnecting with the community in the new normal, the Top Hat Restaurant and Bar is open with limited capacity in-house dining and takeout. For a menu and to learn more, visit logjampresents.com and click Restaurant. Thanks to Cash for Junkers who provided the music for the podcast. Find them at cashfordrunkersband.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Clearwater Credit Union, a force for good. Clearwatercreditunion.org. MissoulaEvents.net. Hands down, the most comprehensive and user-friendly events site in Missoula. Get their app, Gatherboard, in the App Store or on Google Play. Learn more at MissoulaEvents.net. Missoula Bone & Joint, providing superior clinical orthopedic care to their patients for over 60 years. MissoulaBoneAndJoint.com Access Physical Therapy, an enthusiastic team dedicated to providing compassionate and comprehensive care to their clients. Learn more at accessmissoula.com. Inertia Physiotherapy. Move better, feel better. Stay in motion with Inertia Physiotherapy. InertiaPhysioMT.com. True Food Missoula. Offering weekly meal delivery to nourish your family and friends. Have a look at the menu and order online at TrueFoodCSA.com. Thank you to our in-kind sponsors, Missoula Broadcasting Company. Learn more at MissoulaBroadcasting.com. Enlighten Lab Float Center. Learn more at enlightenlab.com. That's E-N-L-Y-T-E-N-L-A-B.com and geckodesigns.com. This episode of the Tell Something podcast was produced and edited by me, Mark Moss. I thought that it would be a, a good and relevant conversation to have. And I, I know that, um, you know, I'm like a white person bumbling through and I'm totally okay with being that because I think that we kind of need to be more honest about where we are and that we're, we're trying and we're not perfect, like you said. To learn more about Tell Us Something, please visit tellussomething.org. Stay safe, wear a mask, take care of yourself, and take care of each other.